They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks it in trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What is up, SoundCloud.com? It is the one and only, the original Brotherly Love Podcast right here on SoundCloud.com. Joe O'Donnell, Johnny Mita, checking in. What's up, brother? Joe, what's happening, baby? We got to let the listeners know this is episode number 50. Oh, snap. The Brotherly Love Podcast. Good call, brother. 50. I can't believe this is 50. I love it. It's been great. I wish I had some applause for us. I don't have that queued Ah, up. Ah, Not on my game. That's not a good way to start. Hey, it's not a good way to start episode 50 when you're not on your game. I got time to get it back, though. I got time to get it back. It's a 60-minute effort, as always, right here on SoundCloud.com. Follow us on Twitter, at BelovePodcast. Do it, because we'll be smarter for it. Lots to get into on the Brotherly Love Podcast. The Eagles have signed a new veteran wide receiver. And yes, he's better than Riley Cooper. Uh, Moving along, the Flyers Heartbreak Hotel last night. We'll get into their shootout woes. LeBron James causes a stir on social media. Villanova in the Sweet 16. The NFL owners meetings in cushy Boca Raton, Florida, with a couple of somewhat, you know, I think at least somewhat major announcements. And then we'll pay tribute to a pioneer of the hip-hop community gone too soon. Sound good, my friend? Absolutely, baby. All right, let's, let's get right after it then, because the Eagles have a new piece to their wide receiving core, Ruben Randall, four years with the New York Giants, 24 years of age, will be 25 later this offseason, eight touchdowns a year ago. He signs a one-year deal with the Eagles, instantly, I think, adding some much-needed depth to the wide receiver position. Any disagreement there at all? No, not at all. I mean, coming out of Giants, people might think that this guy hasn't kind of lived up to his potential, but you know, if you look at his attributes, his size, he has some speed. He makes tough catches in traffic. Um, I, I like the signing. I would say out of, you know, this signing makes it a lot more, you know, pumped up than the given signing, so to speak. So yeah. It's just nice to see, you know, they get rid of, a, say, Azura Tutu and Riley Cooper, and they basically add Givens and Randall. And, and Randall's still young. I mean, there's still some time for him, and he's been around the league, so hopefully – and I don't know if you heard this, but, I mean, we'll kind of touch on it later, but you know, Doug Peterson said today that Matthews is going to be tried on the outside. Yeah, I did read receiver. that. And I, so you, that'll be something interesting to watch as well. Yeah, we can address that probably at another time. I don't know how I feel about yeah. that. Um, Ruben Randall, yeah. historically, or for the most part in his career, has been a slot guy, and he's often been overshadowed, too. Let's keep that in mind. You know, Maybe he hasn't lived up to some of the expectations uh, that pundits around the NFL or Giants fans would have hoped for. But he's still a guy that had eight touchdowns a year ago. Uh, and and for, from that standpoint, you know, that's production that you like to see. And he's had Odell Beckham Jr. that was kind of the number one guy once he emerged. Uh, you go back, Victor Cruz had 
so much potential. He kind of overshadowed Ruben Randall. And I'm guessing probably even four years ago, I didn't look this up, but Hakeem Nix. I mean, so the Giants have kind of had guys slotted above Ruben Randall for most of his tenure yeah. in the National Football League. And I'm not saying that he's going to break out on the scene here, but I think my point is uh, he, he's used definitely to Definitely an upgrade. Yeah, uh, definitely yeah. an upgrade, but he's used to playing kind of second fiddle and, you know, and having success with eight touchdowns a year ago in that role. So he's got 188 career catches. That's 19 more than Riley Cooper. That's all I care about. Yeah, and also, listen, he's been a starter in this league, so you like that. Yeah. If Nelson Aguilar uh, continues to struggle, maybe it's, you know, it's just a great, I think it's another good sign. You get him at a cheap rate, you know, he's kind of proven himself that he can be effective in certain situations. And we all said we need to add to the depth. Yep. I'd also like to see the Eagles, again, target another type of wide receiver, more of a speedster in the draft, but it's just making the team better. When you can add depth to every position, this is a good sign. And uh, <laughs> another check for Howie on this one. I mean, it's uh, unbelievable. Oh, will uh, you stop it? Will you I'm stop just- it? <laughs> I mean, please. Let's be honest. Howie Roseman was allegedly in charge in the past as well, and it has an equal success. So let's take it Uh, easy with the GM of the year type talk, which I know, (laughs) I know as you're falling asleep at night, tossing and turning, you're thinking about whether or not Howie's going to get it or some some schmuck down in Tennessee or, you know, how how Oakland GM, you know, Oakland's GM stacks up. I know you're ranking the GMs as you fall asleep at night, John Mita. And how he's near the top of your list. Uh, I do like the one-year deal, though, because it means he's got to play. You know, if he wants another contract, he's got to play. So I like that side of it. Maybe it burns the Eagles. Maybe he doesn't come back. Maybe he has a monster year and gets paid. But that means he had a monster year. So uh, I'm cool with all of that. And Ruben Randall, you know, knows the division, knows some of the opposition, knows what the opposing defenses like to do. I I think it's a great fit. And uh, quite frankly, I didn't even know that he was available. So, um Yeah, he's kind of under the radar. Receiver too. Yeah, he went to LSU, so he's got that SEC pedigree, which is always nice. I disagree, though, yeah. from a standpoint. You talk about drafting a receiver. I think this means they are not drafting a receiver. That would be, if I was a betting man, I'd say they are out of the receiver game in the NFL draft. Because you got Huff, you have Matthews, Aguilar, Givens, Randall. There's five. So unless you're practice squatting somebody, you usually don't keep more than five wide receivers. I know, but I still think I know what you want. I know what you yeah. want, John Mita. But I'm if Givens is like if first. Givens is your speedster, Randall's the yeah. veteran presence, a huge upgrade over Miles Austin, the clown they brought in last year, who had much yeah. more wear on his tires, tread on his tires. Um yeah. you know, from all the from all the years he spent in Dallas and then Cleveland, whatever. You hope Aguilar I, honestly, Nelson Aguilar could be the biggest piece of this offensive puzzle. If he does not take yeah. any form of a step in the right direction, the Eagles could be outright screwed. If he takes yeah. a if he has a fifty to sixty catch season, you know, seven touchdown type season, you yeah. know, maybe the Eagles offense is one that's feared on the outside. Yeah. Good point. All right, the Philadelphia Flyers, Johnny Mita. They were winning two nothing last night. The game's winding down. They're in Columbus. They're about to take over sole possession of the final wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. Detroit's losing. I'm doing some scoreboard watching. I got the game on. This one's in the books. Columbus scores with a minute four left to make it 2-1, and I just had kind of a bad feeling. 
And what do you know? Cam Atkinson ties it with about eight seconds left. The Flyers eventually lose in a lengthy shootout. Remember, shootouts are just three rounds, so it was a sudden death shootout. But the Flyers didn't score a goal in said shootout. Mason kept him in as long as he could. The Columbus Blue Jackets win the shootout 1-0. They stun the Flyers 3-2. Now, Philadelphia does move into the final playoff spot at the time of this podcast because they have played fewer games in Detroit, but they're in a virtual tie, essentially. Uh, and the Flyers now 2-8 and eight in shootouts this year, and I know that really uh, that bothers you. It's like every Flyers fan's worst fears. Like, when they go into overtime, you're like, man, please just win this game. Get this done. Find a way. Yeah. Because historically, since the NHL adopted the shootout, I don't know what year it was. You would know better than I do. They have been horrendous. I mean, so bad. Of course, Steve Mason makes a career high. 51 saves last night. The guy was getting absolute peppered throughout the game. And it's just, I feel like, and not only that, the way they lost this night, though, I feel like this is like the third or fourth game where they had a one-goal lead and under five minutes they give up that tying goal. And then either they end up, you know, going to, and they end up losing in a shootout. It's just, it just seems like at the end, in the last two minutes, and they're, they're decent. They just, when the other team brings on six attackers, it's like they, they get in the shell and they just can't, they can't seem to clear the puck or things. It's just, I don't know where it is. I didn't, I, don't know I didn't like last end. night that when Columbus made it 2-1, they pulled their goalie again and they came out of their own zone in the game's final seconds. There were five Philadelphia Flyers essentially they're half of the red line and deeper defensively, which obviously you want, you know, you want to make them chip it in. You want to make them come through that wave, but you've got to pressure the puck up ice with at least one player, at least force them to make a play before they hit the red line. Everybody had backed in so much. I just felt it gave Columbus too much speed. They got it in pucks to the net. Good things happen when you throw the biscuit that way. So two and eight now for the Flyers and shootouts. I'm not going to question Dave Haxtall too much here because I think he's done an outstanding job. Uh, he could be coach of the year if the Flyers make the playoffs. But Wayne Simmons, for me, has always scored big shootout goals. I know his numbers aren't gouty in, in, in shootouts. His numbers aren't spectacular in shootouts. He's one out of five this year. Jake Voracek didn't get a chance to go. He's one out of five this year. I know he's coming off injury. It's easy to second guess in hindsight. But the Flyers went with Nick Cousins, so he must have been showing something in practice, right? Sam Gagne, who had scored a goal in the game and has been relatively hot, so I'm okay there. Claude Giroux your third shooter. Never going to argue that. Braden Shen, nice dangles. He's your fourth shooter. Sean Couturier, your fifth shooter. I'm just shocked there was no Wayne Simmons or Jake Voracek somewhere in that top five. You know, those what are guys. The ghost? Or, or the ghost. Exactly. You know. And the ghost has got some serious moves. I know he's a defenseman, but you might as well give him a shot because uh, you're right. I mean, two guys, some, some of the best goal scorers don't get the opportunity. I don't like that. It just seems like, what, what is going Now, you know the rules better than anybody else, Joe, because obviously this is your league. This is your – what is – like, can, God, can you send out the same guys? Is there – you can only use certain guys in a row, or is there any type of order? Well, you have, to, su- you have to submit your first three right off the hop, before, and they get exchanged to each team, starts? I believe. No, right before the shootout, during that break there, the coaches okay. then will submit – you know, who's going to go. And then once it gets to sudden death, I believe it's any man's game. 
I don't. I, I you know, quite honestly, I'm not sure about the rule in reusing guys. I know in the Olympics, yeah. if you remember, T.J. Oshie kept going for Team USA in international right. competition. You can keep using the right. same guy, and what a what a mem- uh, remarkable performance that was against the Russians uh, in the yeah. Sochi Olympics. But in the NHL, I would think you have to burn through everybody before you can just start recycling guys. Yeah. Okay. But off the top of my yeah, head, you know, that would be my best yeah. guess. Yeah, I wasn't sure. And if one guy scores a goal again, can you use him again if you need him? That's probably awful. Well, the Flyers don't score any goals, so they they don't um, <laughs> they don't have that problem. That's that's a good problem to have, and unfortunately, unfortunately, they don't have yeah. to deal with it. Uh, but again, <laughs> Flyers, you know, hey, look. At the end of the day, John Mead, I know this is a kind of a cop out way of looking at this. All right. But back-to-back games, we talked about the back-to-backs last week. This was another back-to-back. They got three out of four points. They beat a good Islanders team. Granted, the Islanders are scuffling, but they're in a playoff spot. That was a playoff-type game in Brooklyn. They got the win. Back-to-back on the road, leading to nothing. Yes, you want two points. You want it in regulation. You want it in overtime. It stinks. But still, now four points back of the Islanders, equal number of games played. And again, uh, sliding into that final playoff spot, with still a game in hand on Detroit, Detroit with nine left, the Flyers with ten games left. March twenty fourth. That's uh, by the time this podcast airs, it'll be later on tonight. By the time we post on SoundCloud.com in Colorado against an Avalanche team fighting for their playoffs lives, and I expect that to be a great game uh, on on Thursday against the uh, against the Avalanche. Yeah. What do you think? Who do you think is going to get the start? You know, Neuvers going down. We didn't really touch on that. Yeah, that's a you big know, loss because he'd been outstanding, um, especially yeah. you know you look at the signings this summer. That's one of the biggest ones is is Neuver yeah. because Mason was out and he carried the mail. Even when Mason was healthy, he was the number one for a large chunk of the season. Uh, I don't know if you go Anthony Stolarz in Colorado, but I'd say if Mason. Yeah. If Mason doesn't get the win in Colorado, then you got to give the kid a shot. I mean, the word is the Flyers think that this kid is is the goaltender of the future, Anthony Stolar. So, you know, at some point he's yeah. going to have to pop his uh, National Hockey yeah. League cherry. I just look at you know with all these back to backs. You know what I mean? Yep. Like at some point. Oh, it's going to happen. You know, the kid's going to get played. Yeah, the yeah, kid's going to get some time. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll take a break. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Little Tribe taking us out. Back after this, we'll talk Villanova, Sweet 16, NFL owners meetings, LeBron causing a stir. All that after this on SoundCloud.com. You're listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast, exclusively on SoundCloud.com. Back. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Bono's this, Bono's that. Johnny Mita. I love it, man. Yeah, we might as well. We, we, we will give a more proper tribute here in a moment, but the reason for the Tribe Called Quest, uh, RIP to Fife Dog. So we'll give a more formal tribute before we get on out of here, but a Tribe Called Quest is. Are exclusive, exclusive 
bumper music, beats, whatever you want to call it, for uh, the podcast here, episode 50. So good, man. So good. Old school hip-hop, but it's fine. It's a Tribe Called Quest. Rest in peace, okay. Fife Dog, man. Um, all right, Joe Donald, John Mita back here with you. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. And a uh, lot more to get into. We'll talk Villanova hoops in just a moment. The Wildcats in the Sweet 16. But first, Johnny Mita, one of the more important athletes, one of the more powerful athletes, uh, one of the more dominant on-the-court athletes in our generation, LeBron James, caused a bit of a PR stir, to say the least. <laughs> uh, he unfollowed the Cavaliers' Twitter account. Now, this is the society we live in today, my friends, that this became very newsworthy. The Cavs have 1.08 million followers on Twitter. LeBron James has 29.1 million followers on his personal Twitter account. He follows 154 people, John Mita. One of them used to be the Cleveland Cavaliers, but no longer. I don't know who had enough time on their hands to notice this, to find this out, to look it up. But LeBron James unfollowed the Cavaliers team account, and uh, social media went crazy. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the reporter basically asked LeBron the question and Joe Minus the money on it. Yeah, I got it. And he, uh, you know, he basically just scoffs at the question, doesn't want to answer the question, and, you know, I think fans want to know and Twitter followers want to know, like, how could you unfollow your team? It's like uh, breaking up with a girlfriend, you know, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to defriend her on Facebook or something <laughs> like that, and, uh, you know, just be done with her. And people are trying to question and wonder, like, you know, did the Cavaliers PR people do something or said something about him that pissed him off so much? He's, now, granted, LeBron's been a guy, just so that people know, LeBron has generally, when it comes time to the playoffs, he basically freezes all his social media accounts right before the start of the playoffs until it ends so that he can get the focus, so that he is not and he is in the proper frame of mind to go on a playoff run. So it's not like he hasn't done this in the past. Yeah. But to completely unfollow and then be asked the question and then scoff at the question and then basically call it quits on the entire interview. Yeah. I mean, there are other reporters in the room trying to answer, ask him questions, yeah. you know, about the game and upcoming stuff. And he just he just basically checked out. So all, all this news – of- yeah, go ahead. It's just kind of like, listen, you know, you want to be important. You want to get your brand out there. Now people call you on the carpet and ask a question to you, and now you can't answer. It's just like you can't have the world by the the, the gonads and then not expect people to react if you know if they call something in the question. You got to just man up, just answer the question. Clearly, there's something going on. Why he did that? He just went. Maybe he wasn't getting enough attention because, like. The league, let's face it, man. Everybody is in love with Steph Curry and what the Golden State Warriors are doing. Maybe he got a little jealous, and maybe he just wanted to do something to just throw it out there so he could get some attention. All this, you know, these guys have huge egos. But go ahead. Yeah, all, all this news broke on Monday, by the way. Again, LeBron James unfollows the Cavaliers account from his personal Twitter account. I'll play the audio here in a second, but I'm gonna. Th- I was thinking about this while you were ranting, and so I'm just gonna yeah. lob it out there to you. Is this as bad, worse, not as bad as a player wearing an opposing team's hat to a press conference like Allen Iverson used to do a hell of a lot of? 
you know, a Yankees cap yeah. at a press conference, a Celtic. Yeah. I think one time he wore like a Celtics jersey. You know, I'm playing paying yeah, tribute yeah. to Bill Russell, whatever the hell he said. I mean, is yeah, this? Bill Russell. I mean, is this? And they were playing Boston, I think. Yeah, is this bad? Is this at worse? Home. Is it? Is it even the same playing I, field? Is it an analogy we I, could make? I don't know. I think it, I think this is worse because it's your own team. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's kind of a slap it's in the like, face. And yeah. I went. I went and looked the last couple of days. Uh, I scroll. You know, you can scroll through the Twitter timeline. I scroll through to see if the Cavs have posted anything at all that could that would make. You know, put put my LeBron shoes, my LeBron James shoes on for a minute. Put my king crown on, right? King James. And is was there anything there that was like, gave props to one of his teammates and not him, that didn't, you know, give him enough love? And I couldn't find anything, man. And I, I looked. I tried. Yeah, I didn't see anything. So it could have been accidental. It could have been whatever. But then he just, as you pointed out, didn't respond appropriately. And and here's, here's what happened. This is from... Uh, you know, Cavs TV, the Cavs website, and this is how the media scrum went down after the game where one of the questions is to LeBron after a win about unfollowing the team Twitter account. LeBron, you may not um, like this one, and I'm not thrilled asking it. I'm obviously trying to diffuse this a little bit, but um, it appears that you unfollowed the Cavs on Twitter today, and it's it's caused quite a stir. Why did you do that, or what what would go into that? <laughs> Next question. Next question. Um, under, you, you've had 38 assists tonight. That's a season high. What can is this something you can take forward to the next game? Uh, I don't, I'm, 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 I'm done. All right, thanks, guys. I mean, <laughs> he goes next question. And did you hear the PR? The PR uh, chick. She's just like next question. Like yeah. She was like, as soon as LeBron was like starting to say next question, she's like, I better step in here and do my job. Next question. And then, yeah. and then and the and then the here. loser afterwards like um you guys had thirty eight assists as a team tonight <laughs> um come on buddy really you're gonna you're gonna yeah, lob out yeah. that one after the oh, after yeah. the elephant in the room just took a dump on the carpet that's what that's oh, your yeah. fu- that's the next question <laughs> well, LeBron I just I noticed there's thirty eight assists as a team and I just thought that you know can you guys carry that forward to the next game and he's so rattled at a the balls of the first reporter to ask that question yeah. and him not yeah. having an answer and probably going, man, I just sounded huh? stupid. And part two, you know, then this guy with the follow-up question, which is out of left field, can you carry over yeah. 38 assists in the next game? Like, really? And he was so just rattled by the whole thing. He goes, my head's not – I'm out. I'll play the end of it. I mean, this is this, – all right, just one more time. This is just way too good. LeBron, you may not um, like this one, and I'm not thrilled asking it. I'm obviously trying to diffuse this a little bit, but um, it appears that you unfollowed the Cavs on Twitter today, and it's it's caused quite a stir. Why did you do that, or what what would go into that? Next question. Next question. Um, under, you, you've had 38 <laughs> assists tonight. That's a season high. What can is this something you can take forward to the next game? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm I'm done. All right, thanks, guys. Oh, I'm done. Uh, thanks, guys. I'm, 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 thanks. I'm, 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 I'm done. You guys oh beat it. God. Everybody beat it. Uh, I'm just trying, LeBron. I'm trying to diffuse this a little bit here. I'm Every just gonna day. ask. The question. You're not you diffusing know. anything, bro. Yeah. I'm trying to diffuse yeah. it here, please. Well, there's, you know, there's all these rumors coming out too, and I don't know if you've seen some that he's not coming like- back. He's not coming back. Yeah. He's going to take a pay cut so he can play with Carmelo Anthony and Chris Paul and get Dwayne Wade in the fold and the whole thing. And like, is Dwayne Wade going to play in a wheelchair 
on that team? He's having a pretty good year. Okay. Year, but, I mean, he's yeah. definitely getting one. And how quickly I mean, the knees but, give out. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, the first one, when the, when the first reporter goes, now listen, I'm trying to, like, he kind of leaves, you know, gives him an idea of what he's going to ask. Like, yeah. Well, I don't really want to ask this, but um, take it for what it is. But um, Yeah, you, look, Le- you LeBron had to have known, right? Okay. Yeah. At some point, even if he, even if it was an accidental unfollow, even if one of his kids, right? LeBron's got yeah. kids. Yeah. Even if one of his kids had accidentally grabbed his phone, unfollow. At some point, somebody in the locker room, around the team, him driving around, he would have seen what was developing, like breaking news: LeBron unfollows Cavs. Like this wasn't the first time he had heard of that. I will not believe that. The PR person must have prepped him something. Be ready for this. And he gets the question, and he just absolutely froze. He could have said a million things, and it would have been over. But by not answering it and acting very, should I say, Cam Newtonish, John Mita, yeah, he made it ten times worse. Yeah, he didn't do himself any favors there. And neither did that woman from the PR department. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, he probably should have told her that he unfiled, and how are you going to answer this because somebody's going to throw it out there. Yeah. Look, LeBron James oh has three kids, all right? Just blame it on one of them and move on. kidding me. All right. Yeah, no doubt. No Vill- doubt. Villanova, my friend, Sweet 16. Oh, how sweet it is. I'm going to let you, you take the that. ball and run with this as usual. Break it down. Miami, Nova Nation, who do you like and why? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, let's you know, let's just start the first two games. They, you know, basically won by a combined of forty nine points in their first two rounds. It was good to see him get out that second game. That pretty much monkey on Villanova's back that has plagued them since you know, they haven't been, you know, past this level since two thousand nine. Team that went to the final four and to put a whooping on Iowa like they did. The first half they played was absolutely tremendous scoring 54 points at half, and they've made 23 threes in the tournament in two games. So they have 13 in the first game and then 10 in the second. And they're shooting, you know, which is the most in the field. So they play a really tough Miami team. Obviously, Miami's going to be a tough opponent. They have two players that are marquee players. They have a great point guard by the name of Angel Hernandez, who's pretty much taken his team on his back, so to speak. He had 28 points in the second game against Wichita State, and I think he had like 22 in their first round game. He's been playing out of his mind. They have a really good athletic win guy who's probably an NBA prospect named Sheldon McClellan. So, but Iowa had two pretty decent players, and nobody's, you know, not to that level, but, you know, Jared Utah's a good player, and Peter Jacques, and they basically shut those two down. So I think the key in this one, it's going to be Villanova's defense. Can they play as a team, and can they continue to shoot it? Now, they're shooting at an unbelievable clip right now. But I don't think they need to shoot it at that level to beat this Miami team. Miami's been prone to turnovers. We'll see. I mean, I think whoever plays better defense is going to end up winning this game. And I don't know. I got to see There's just something about this team right now. And obviously, I'm, I'm big biased because I'm a huge Villanova fan. And I was there to witness the performance in Brooklyn on Sunday, which was awesome again. And, um, I just, it kind of has that feel of that 09 team. It's like set up. Like they had a first round scare against American in 2009. And I was at that game. And then, second game, they play UCLA and they just blew UCLA's doors off. 
Then the third game, they go up against Duke and Boston, and they bury Duke. And I just, I don't know. A lot of people like Miami in this game. They like the fact that Miami's played against some great competition. The ACC has the best record in the tournament. I think they have five to six teams in the Sweet 16. So this is going to be a really tough test for Villanova. But the good thing is Miami's never seen Villanova and, and and I think that's a good thing. I think teams get used to you, and they know the type of style that you play, and I think that gives them advantage. But to the fact these teams have never played one another, I, I like what they're doing. They're, they're depth off the bench. Miami has a good bench, but Villanova's played these guys all year with Phil Booth and you know the redshirt freshman, Mikhail Bridges, has been a big contributor, and Dal Reynolds has, has filled in some great time when the Chepi's gone down with injuries. I don't know. I think the Cats win this one, and I think they win by 10. For some reason, I got a feeling that they're going to move on, and then they're going to go against Juggernaut Kansas, and then you just roll the dice from there. But I don't know. That's why it's March Madness, brother. That's why it's March Madness. You'll take Kansas in the lead eight every day of the week. If I asked you back in in September, Villanova, Kansas, the lead eight, you taking it? Yeah, all in, brother. And I love your point about the the Wildcats defense because – Watching Villanova dominate the Iowa Hawkeyes, to me, it was all about how aggressive they were on defense. They were switching. They were rotating. They were in guys' faces. They played with pace at both ends of the court. And when Villanova plays like that, and as you pointed out perfectly, they shoot with good efficiency, they're as good as anybody in the country. I mean, they weren't number one in the country for no reason at one point this year. So I think defensively, if they can be aggressive, if they can get out, and alter shots, and put some pressure on Miami, make them uncomfortable, that's when Villanova can get easy baskets out on the other end, hit their signature three balls, and then uh, you know they're right in at the end. I, I don't see any reason why that's not the case. All right, my friend, the NFL's owner uh, owners' meetings just wrapped up in Boca Raton, Florida. Of course it's Boca Raton and not somewhere like Detroit or Cleveland or, uh, you know, name your, name your, name your grimy <laughs> big city. They go get the sun. God bless them. Yeah. Touchbacks are now going to start at the 25-yard line. So when you kick yeah. off and they take a knee, it's not at the 20, it's at the 25. Now, I heard earlier today that it only increases the percentage of scoring by like 1%. You know, if you if you just if you're a numbers guy and just look at the numbers. However, I think it's a huge difference. I, I think from a field position standpoint, you're now if you go three and out and don't lose any yards and it's fourth and ten, you're now punting from your you know from the twenty five to the twenty. That, to me, that's a, that's a big five yards if the if the kick is yeah. the same from the punter. Um, you know, I think over the course of the game and the season, this is going to have a bigger impact than maybe some people are thinking. And I think really it's it's kind of disappointing. You know, if the NFL isn't willing to admit that they have a uh, an injury problem, a concussion problem, a violence problem, then why do they keep changing all these rules to make the game less violent? <laughs> yeah, no, you bring up a good point. And also, is this also going to change the mindset of the kicker? Like, knowing that, okay, if he gets a touchback, they're going to get out of the 25. Is he going to try to drive, instead of kicking the ball out of the end zone, knowing that the other team gets to that 25-yard line, are they going to try to put it inside the three and then take their chances of hoping that you get, you stop them before the guy even reaches the 20 with the 25. So even though they want to cut down on these types of collisions and 
we all know what's going on with the concussions and the and the disease CTE. And uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. And uh, you know, you gotta love that Jerry Jones. I don't know if you saw his comments. Oh, he's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that there's no link between concussions and I mean the guy. What a buffoon. Anyway, yeah. there. Hey, I'll uh, tell you one yeah. thing. I'll tell you there's one there's one link that's direct and clear to me is that Jerry Jones yeah. has suffered multiple concussions because that guy is a dope to steal the term of your favorite guy, Howard Eskin. Yeah, he probably got all those concussions from the thirty five Facebook for the <laughs> I just you know I just wish the NFL would leave things alone. It's it's such a confusing game to watch as it is to begin with. And I, and you and I yeah. follow the the sport a ton. So it's probably not that yeah. confusing to you and I. But what's a catch? Yeah. What's not a catch? Now they're the chop blocks apparently were were legal for some running plays and not others. Just make yeah. it more black and white. You know? That's it, yeah. I mean the the, the catch thing, how it's not being addressed. I mean you can I challenge this. So- you can't challenge that. I mean, I, uncle. I think they should go to college where, like, everything's reviewable. You know what I mean? Like, just, you know, and take it out of the referee. You know what I mean? Just, I, I kind of like the college process a little better than the pro, to tell you the truth. Much and to the teams, And then that way teams won't get penalized time out. You know what I mean? Well. Lord knows that we've been on the wrong side of that as Philadelphia Eagles fans because I don't think the Eagles have had a good year of challenging since they put in the damn yeah. challenge flag. All right, uh, much yeah. to the chagrin of one of my yeah. least favorite defensive backs of all time, personal foul yeah. Harris, a.k.a. Al Harris. Uh, two personal yeah. fouls in a game now means beat it. You're getting ejected. Uh, you don't like this. My take on it, and I'll let you get to it in a second, but you, you kind of told me earlier. Sure. You're not a big fan. Um, yeah. You know, can can you bait a guy? Can you bait a Vontez perfect? Since that's, you know, from the postseason hot topic. Yeah. Can you bait him into it, doing something stupid? Can you get Deshaun Jackson off his game and he takes a personal foul penalty for grabbing a face mask? If we had the Odell Beckham Jr. Um, incident, you know, with the Panthers, where he's Josh Norman and he are trying to rip each other's helmets yeah. off. You know, will we see more ejections? Probably. Maybe then the players start to figure it out, stop acting like such donkeys, and try and settle their emotions, bring the emotions back in, and keep it quote unquote within the line. So I'm not, you know, I guess my my take on this, John Mita, the two personal fouls, uh, two personal foul penalties equals an ejection from the game. I would say yeah. let's take a wait and see approach. I'm not going to fly too much off the handle here, just because I don't know how many ejections we're going to see, but. As the NFL has proven, they don't like losing star players to injuries, right? Fantasy football, ratings, yeah. all those things. The last thing they're going to want to see is guys getting booted from games on a regular basis. They might send a message in the preseason. You might see some guys get flagged for stuff they wouldn't normally be flagged for just to send that message to the league. Hey, don't act like an idiot or you're going to be out of the game and hurting your team. I think the two incidents, basically, if you look at two games this year where this is kind of this is why this type of rule was brought to the table or brought to the attention, everybody. Is you got a first game like you mentioned before, the Odell Beckham Josh Norman incident. I mean, that was just crazy. Like, and, and I there's no place for that just, in the game, right? I no, mean, and I just think it's up to the official to just eject someone. Yes, you know what I mean. Why do we have to go with two personal? Fouls? Here's the other thing with two personal fouls. Why I'm just like a little hesitant, right? So let's say somebody goes, well, that's a helmet-to-helmet. They call a personal foul, right? Well, then they look on the replay, and then they realize they get it wrong. 
or can they they take it back? You know what I mean? Right. So there is that gray area that makes me nervous where maybe one was a legitimate personal foul and maybe one wasn't. Yeah. Or you could have, you could potentially have, you could potentially have a helmet to helmet hit 15 yards and then a taunting penalty. So say maybe the guy makes a big hit. It's a bad call, 15 yards. Then he has a pick six in the third quarter, and you lose your starting safety because he's selling too hard in the end zone. Exactly. I know that's a, a, you know, we're spitballing scenarios here, but I'm with you. Scenarios, right. But they could. They happen. But they're totally, they're feasible. Yep. It's not like we haven't seen those types of things in the past. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that was, you know, but I thought the big thing that they should address it. I know a lot of a lot of defenders are finally happy that they're kind of getting rid of the chop off, but I think it's a good idea. It's about time the defense gets a rule, you know, something in their favor <laughs> yeah. as opposed to the offense, you know, getting, you know, so many so many rules in the favor of the offense. So, yeah, that was definitely interesting for sure. All right, before we get on out of here on SoundCloud.com, the Brotherly Love Podcast, <laughs> got to pay our yeah. respects to Malik Taylor, the rapper known as Fife Dog. Uh, Huge part of a tribe called Quest dies at the age of 45 from complications resulting from diabetes. Rolling Stone confirmed the rapper's death. He had health issues for years, undergoing a kidney transplant in 08. Longtime battle with diabetes. Um, you know, Busta Rhymes, Fife Dog. Just those guys were unbelievable. You know, I've never got around to watching Michael Rappaport's documentary. On, on Tribe Called Quest, Beats, Rhymes, and Life from 2011. Yeah. I'm going to have to now. Uh, it's a shame it took me so long to get around to it because I've been meaning to check it out. But um, just yeah, reading here on Roll. I didn't Ro- even know he did one, actually. Yeah, it's, it was supposed to, to be unbelievable. Um, is it on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think no, it is. Um, okay. So just reading on RollingStone.com here. 1991, The Low End Theory. 1993, Midnight Marauders. You know, to yeah. me, Scenario was the Tribe song that you knew in high school or late middle school or whatever. Yeah, I guess it's late middle school at this yeah. point. Um, you know, yeah. sixth, seventh grade at the middle school dances. Um, that was the track. Hell, yeah. I, I had the cassette tape probably still at home with, with scenario on one side and Lord knows what was on the other. It probably wasn't getting any play. But as I grew older and started to appreciate 90s hip-hop and old school rap more, I, I listened to a lot more Tribe Called Quest. Um, they yeah. were outstanding they embodied what hip hop should be and was about at the time, and so R.I.P. to Malik Taylor, fife dog of a tribe called Quest, gone way too soon. Yeah, um, just having one. Joe is one of my favorite hip hop groups of all time. Definitely in my top three. Um, just the beats that these guys had, and their voices were so different between Fife and Q-Tip. Q-Tip, yeah, man. This, yeah, and you can just see you know, the synergy that these guys had. And it was just, and it was very light. Like, the rap was light. It wasn't about, like, killing and drugs. And it was just like... Yeah, it was about it was late, like, getting the ladies and chilling out. It, yeah, just chill, it was just, like, happy and kind of where they came from and where they hung out in New York. And it, it was just very light-hearted, with great music to dance to. It was just like... Uh, they're one of my favorite groups. I mean, I own every one of their CDs is, is in my CD sleeve. And, uh, you know, it's a shame he's gone too early. 
there's so many young rappers and hip hop artists from our, you know, Gangstar Guru yeah. passed away. He, he passed away to cancer, and so it's a shame to see him go. I was actually it's funny when the last concert that they performed together, they basically so there was a te- Temple was playing. Uh, who were they? They were playing the William and Mary Tribe, right? Yeah. And after that game. It was a special concert, Tribe Called Quest. And Fat Joe was there, too. Nice. So they they performed, like, three songs, and then the thunder and lightning rolled in, and then canceled the show. But, like, that was, like, the, one of the last times that they performed together. And it was just incredible. And uh, it's something I'll never forget. But uh, rest in peace and, you know, the fight and going way too soon and, you know, diabetes, just, just a terrible disease. And uh, I think also, too, Joe, we kind of didn't talk about his mentions. You know, we got to go thoughts and prayers to the people in Brussels across, you know, in Europe after another senseless terrorist attack. And, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with the people people have lost loved ones and just, you know, to end this senseless violence, ISIS. I mean, it's just a joke. Like, I think the world needs to band together now and just realize that this is a huge problem not just in the United States and everything around the world. And as, as together, we need to come together and just eradicate it. So, Well yeah. said, buddy. So, Amen to that. Yeah. Well, we will be back with you in the next week. Uh, we hope yeah, certainly two again. weeks. Well, yeah. So next week I'm going to hopefully, um, you know, as you know. Let's save it. Let's save it. Let's save it. Let's save it. All right. All right. All right, let's save it. We're hoping for a big-time guest. One of these next few episodes, Johnny Meade is going to get the hookup. <laughs> It'll be bird-centric. It's going to be outstanding and probably our biggest guest yet. Uh, but we'll save it for you. We'll save the surprise. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast, John Meade, Joe O'Donnell. Uh, we'll catch you. Go Nova Nation, Sweet 16, Flyers making the playoff push. And uh, we'll we'll take you out with a little tribe called Quest, Electric Relaxation. Till next time, we'll see Love it. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.